Good morning. Welcome to our adult Bible class, and we need to have our Bibles open to the book of Acts, chapter 1. This is class content from the Laurel Heights Church of Christ for November the 15th. We haven't done this here for several years. We consider the book of Acts to play an important role in our understanding of what it means to become a disciple of Christ and live as a disciple of Christ. We will take one chapter in each class. We are able to do this in Acts since much of this book is historical narrative. This will become an opportunity for us to refresh our memory, review our faith, and will enable us to examine ourselves as followers of Christ. Be ready with me, please, in Acts chapter 1. This begins a study that will take us a few months to complete, moving through the book of Acts, one chapter per class. Acts chapter 1, here will be our approach. Perhaps a little different compared to previous studies. I'll read a section at a time. I'll offer brief commentary of that section, then on to the next section and through the chapter. And our last 10 minutes or so will always involve the practical takeaways from that chapter. It will be good for us to consider Acts is not a devotional book like Psalms, nor is it a teaching letter like the epistles. It is a narrative of events that center around the gospel of Christ being taken to all the world. The gospel of Luke and the book of Acts were written by the same writer, Luke, who was associated with Paul. We have good reason to believe Acts was written around 62 AD, since the end of the book covers the imprisonment of Paul in Rome, but not the destruction of Jerusalem. Are you ready? Let's begin. We're going to be in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Let's pause there. The first book Luke wrote was the Gospel of Luke. Both were originally sent to this mysterious man, Theophilus. He may have been a government official, since he is addressed with the formal most excellent Theophilus in Luke chapter 1. What's most important here is who this is about, not who it was written to. This is about Jesus Christ. And Luke says 
This is like a continuation of what he started in the first book. Now, Luke will explain what happened after his death and before his ascension back to heaven. This is about Jesus Christ. Jesus had given certain commands to the apostles. The Holy Spirit was active through Jesus giving these commands. Jesus, after his death, made appearances to his apostles, appearing to them during a 40-day period and speaking to them about the kingdom of God. Now, this is important. Jesus told them not to depart from Jerusalem. They were to wait for their baptism with the Holy Spirit. Luke doesn't include himself in this. This wasn't something for everybody. This promise was made to the apostles. Luke is going to inform Theophilus about the rest of the story, that is, what happened after the events documented in the Gospel of Luke. This opening statement is important. Holy Spirit baptism was never commanded of all men. Water baptism for the remission of sins was and is commanded of all penitent believers. As we trace the work of the apostles, we will learn how the Holy Spirit equipped those men for their unique task. Verses 6 through 11. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, they were looking on. He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. It is clear the apostles, before being baptized in the Holy Spirit, were not clear on what was about to happen. Their inquiry about restoring the kingdom to Israel shows they didn't fully understand, and regarding the time, Jesus said, it is not for you to know. What they needed to know was, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they would be equipped to be witnesses, to preach the gospel in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus, after speaking these words, was taken up from their presence and sight into heaven with the promise that he would come back. The apostles are to avoid even speculating about the timing of God's plan. Next section, Acts 1, 12 through 26. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, 
which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120 and said, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to all those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness and falling headlong. He burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their own language a keldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they all put forward to Joseph called Barsabas, who was also called Justus and Matthias. And they prayed and said, you Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. So, in compliance with what the Lord said, these apostles stayed together in Jerusalem, and there was a pressing preliminary matter to take care of. The loss of Judas made it necessary for there to be a carefully selected replacement. As this task was approached, they devoted themselves to prayer, they consulted and quoted scripture, and Matthias was selected. Verse 24 shows the Lord made this selection. The casting of lots was not a modern-style lottery. It was a sign showing results from heaven. I want you to think about this before I get to the takeaways. Two key subjects brought up here in chapter 1 are best understood after chapter 1. Here is a common mistake we may make in Bible reading and study. We come to something, a topic, a phrase, an expression, and we stop there and try to figure it out before going further. If we properly use knowledge, that may work out without wrong conclusions. The better approach, however, 
is to just keep reading. You come to something you're not certain about, just keep reading. So, here in Acts chapter 1, two key subjects occur in the text. The Holy Spirit, particularly the apostles' baptism in the Holy Spirit, and the kingdom. Now, we already have some good leads about those critical subjects, but if we just keep reading in the book of Acts, as we go through Luke's narrative, it will be clearer and clearer to us what it meant for the apostles to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and the king and his kingdom, who the citizens are, what the law is. All of that will be clear to us as we let the text of Scripture supply definitions, explanations, and illustrations. So, if I don't go into all of that in detail now during this class video, our future studies will inform us about these matters. But let me say something in addition. If someone were to pin me down and say, let me move that chart back. If someone were to pin me down and say, what is the most important thing in Acts 1? What theme is introduced here that has the greatest emphasis in the book of Acts? And in the rest of the New Testament, my answer would be the resurrection of Christ. Verse 3, he presented himself alive. The apostles were baptized with the Holy Spirit to equip them to preach Jesus raised from the dead. Matthias and others would affirm the resurrection of Christ. The message carried into Judea and Samaria and to the end of all the earth would be Jesus, who died for our sins, but was raised from the dead. There may be other subjects we like to debate or discuss. There are other things we learn as we go forward beyond Acts 1. But thematically, the resurrected Christ becomes the theme of the sermons and defenses recorded in the book of Acts. Takeaways. I'm ready now for the next slide. God's plan brought the apostles to this place in his time. As we studied in Joshua, back in the Old Testament, not many weeks ago when we were in the 17 periods of Bible history, and back there when we studied about God making promises to Abraham, that were fulfilled through Isaac and Jacob. The nation of Israel was formed. The law of Moses was given. Joshua took the people into the land. The prophecies of the coming Christ were revealed. Now, Christ came. He died, was raised, and ascended back. All of this according to the plan of God. God's plan brought the apostles to this place in this time. All of this was executed under the sovereignty of God and in his time. When the apostles ask about time, Jesus told them, it's not for you to know. That's God, God's business, God's plan. It is important for us to understand in all our Bible reading and study that God has a plan, 
that he executes his plan according to his time, and men cannot interfere with it and need not know the details of it. This all happened in God's time. Number two, we need to begin our study of Acts with this focus that Luke gives us in the opening verses. Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Everybody wants to talk about the Holy Spirit. There's all kinds of interest in the gift of tongues, the healings and miracles, and some today want to claim all those powers. Luke doesn't make broad promises to all men or to us or convey to us that we can do everything the apostles did. That's not the central theme in Acts. It is Jesus Christ crucified and raised and ascended in fulfillment of prophecy, able to save people from sin when they respond through faith, repentance, and baptism. I'm not going to get us, I'm not going to let us get away from this central theme. We serve a risen master. This is central to our faith. We will observe all through the book of Acts the prominence of prayer and scripture in the lives of the apostles and all the other disciples. Early here in chapter one, we can see how these followers of Christ prayed about everything and how they remembered what scripture said. In this case, the prophecies about Judas and the replacement. That involvement in scripture and prayer doesn't end in chapter one. Peter in chapter 2 quotes scripture in affirming the truth about Jesus. All through these early years of proclaiming the gospel, prayer and scripture is prominent. It must be prominent in my life, in your life, in our lives. Christ died for us that we might have this access to God. Men like Luke were used by the Holy Spirit to write the New Testament for our nourishment today. Jesus will come again. That really stands out for us. We were not there to witness directly the events Luke records. We did not see Jesus ascend back into heaven, but the next event we will witness. The next event we are now getting ready for. Jesus will come again. We do not know when. We need to be ready at all times. We will observe all through Acts many good examples of simple obedience. That'll be good for us. Already here in chapter 1, after the resurrection, the apostles and other disciples had a seriousness about obedience. They waited in Jerusalem. They filled the vacancy created by Judas. They prayed. Here in chapter 1 and all through Acts, faith discovers its existence and obedience, and that becomes our pattern, our example today. Wednesday night, we will see, for example, in chapter 2, after people become Christians, they were devoted to the teachings of the apostles. And that should be our commitment today. Believing that Jesus will come again. Jesus is both Lord and Christ. 
And those who are convinced of that want to trust and obey him. So Acts picks up where the Gospels left off, recording the early progress of Jesus' disciples as they spread the good news. The good news we have responded to. If you haven't responded to this good news, the gospel of Christ, contact us if we can be of assistance to you in doing what God said ought to be done initially and after baptism in discipleship. Thank you so much for being with us.